Live from Chicago, this is Dan Proft with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Charles Lipson, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Chicago, contributor Real Clear Politics and Spectator USA. <coughs> Michael Golden, author of Unlock Congress, journalist and speaker, President Golden Mean Strategies. And John Cass, journalist and columnist, editorial board member of the Chicago Tribune. Our program tonight coming at you from our new home studio, the Paul and Angel and Angel Harvey Radio Center. Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Center at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in downtown Chicago. Thank you so much for joining us on this installment of Beyond the Beltway. Again, uh, I'm Dan Proft. You can normally catch my act on uh, mornings on AM560 in Chicago, where I co-host a morning drive radio program with Amy Jacobson, and also my newly minted nationally syndicated talk show, if I could be so bold and self-indulgent, on the Salem Network, danproftshow.com, for podcasts and to check your local listings. Because six hours of radio is, are not enough for you. Seven. Seven? <laughs> but who's counting? Uh, newly minted. I like newly that. Newly minted. Like uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this panel. And, Michael, let's start with you for you know from a perspective, center-left perspective. Uh, Nancy Pelosi on the Sunday talkies today telling uh, George Stephanopoulos, I'm going to be conferring with my caucus on Tuesday. We're going to decide if and when we're going to transmit the articles of impeachment. Uh, how do you think this is going for Nancy Pelosi and the uh, boys and girls in the Democrat caucus? Actually, when she said she was going to hold him at first and, and seemed to indicate she had some leverage, I thought, what is she talking about? I don't, I'm not quite – what are they going to care? And Mitch McConnell went on the floor and said, I, do, do what you want to do. That's a great Adam however, Smith impersonation you do. <laughs> however, I will say that I think actually that I was wrong. Now, a couple weeks later – uh, don't get me wrong. I think the conclusion is going to be the same. But it, John Bolton has come out publicly. I think he's just playing the media. But it happened within this interregnum between sending it over to the Senate. And now you've got two or three Republicans saying that there should probably be witnesses. I'm not sure that there will be. And I really I only think there will be if there's a, a hell of a lot more constituents in those three or four states that are just jamming phone lines. Because ultimately, it just comes down to two or three of these guys' reelection. Romney's got four years so he can say whatever he wants, and he's in Utah where he's a hero. But I actually think that uh, a couple good things happened, particularly in the last week or so. I don't know if that's going to change anything once they get over to the Senate. But uh, I, thought, I thought she might be embarrassed and get nothing over three weeks. Chicago Tribune columnist and editorial board member John Cass. Is uh, Nancy Pelosi still deserving of her D.C. press corps moniker, master strategist, when it comes to impeachment? Well, what's the strategy? I'm still trying to figure that out. Is it, let's stall this thing and so Bernie Sanders can't leave Washington? Well, the witnesses. So that well, uh, or, or is so, uh, it Joe Biden, you know, stumbles towards Iowa? I mean, what is the strategy? Or, or is it to, what, what she believes weakens Trump come November, regardless of who the nominee is. And she said it on Stephanopoulos' program today. Yes. He's impeached that he's impeached for forever and ever. She says so. And uh, there's nothing he can do about it. There's no game playing that can undo that that uh, that scarlet eye of impeachment. And that's all she cares about. But it, I thought the scarlet eye only 
sticks to the forehead if she sends her articles to the Senate. Other than that, it's she an exercise, it's a farce. Well, what what about that? Uh, Charles Lipson, University of Chicago, professor of political science emeritus, uh, Diane Feinstein in the Senate saying. Uh, Every day this passes without the articles being transmitted, we sort of lose the fierce urgency of now we said we had, <laughs> don't we? It was a national security. I, I would say that they lost it a long time A few time weeks ago? ago. Yeah. yeah. I wrote about six months ago. I wrote that the whole point was to weaken Trump for the election. They didn't think that they would get him out. I was struck during the uh, bombing of Iran, uh, Iranian uh, leader uh, Soleimani uh, in Iraq, uh, just how trivial the whole impeachment effort looked when something really serious was on the line. Not that the impeachment of presidents couldn't be serious, but this really wasn't a serious effort. Had it been a serious effort, there would have been all the impeachment witnesses called previous to that. There would have been an open process. We still don't have some of the transcripts from the Intelligence Committee, uh, Schiff's Committee, which uh, uh, they haven't all been released. One, one key one is still missing. And you wouldn't have started it with the Intelligence Committee. It would have been started with Nadler uh, in the judiciary. So the whole thing just looks like cotton candy and nothing serious. Once they didn't take it to John court, Cash. once they didn't take, yeah. uh, go to court and demand that the courts decide who should test, you know, whether there should be testimony from the people they wanted to testify. And it was just did, a, but, it but was, Pelosi said today that yeah. you know, you know, we're, we're still in court, but we yeah, just yeah. couldn't wait. We had to move this thing yeah, along. because it was national security. It was, it was urgent. Urgency. It was urgent, and then, like four and, weeks in. Christmas set in, and we'll see you in four right. weeks. And then so they, didn't win, they didn't win the polling. I mean, uh, it's not exactly that the Republicans and Trump won it, but it didn't move in a way. You need an overwhelming— Well, it does for the witnesses— this is 68 percent. There's a lot of Republicans that say, yeah, you should have witnesses at a Senate trial. Yeah, but I, it, but, I agree. But, but, I understand that. My, my they, point is— It doesn't is, matter if they don't get on the phones. My but. point is that if you're going to remove a president as opposed to just throw mud at the president trying to tarnish his reelection, then you have to win overwhelming public support, and the Democrats have not yet done that. That my, is true. At least you have well, to win my, less. That you have to win some independence. You right. can't lose the independence, which is what she well, did. Well, so so Michael Golden, in the immortal words of Confucius, "He who throws mud loses ground." Is that what's happened to Nancy Pelosi? Wow. What is Democrats? this? A Charlie Chan movie? <laughs> that's why he's Salem. That's why he, the Dark Knight. That's why Dan Proft is on. Uh, that's why he got the new show. The newly, excuse me, the newly minted show. Uh, it's, no, this, look, this is this is a good question. I I I think that look. What's the the congressman? Is it Doug Collins, the one who's yelling and talking real fast? He was he was he was the head in the intelligence committee for the Republicans. What's his name? Doug Collins. Right. Okay. Not to be confused with. Right. That's why I was thinking I got it wrong. Right. The old 80s. Right. right. No. uh, You know, all all his all his yelling and everything. The one thing that I did agree with that he said on the record over and over and he was smart to in that hearing was they're on the clock. They're on the clock. It's not a bad impression, by the way. They're on. But you got to speed it up. They're on the clock. They're on the clock. They're on the clock. 
there's an election. They want this to go through for history, for legacy, because they believe in it for all kinds of reasons. They want to do it. And if they clog that up, in the courts, the courts were already saying it's going to take months. One judge already in October said, I'm not going to rule on this till mid-December. So they knew what the landscape was, and there was no good options if they wanted to move ahead with impeachment. They, if they waited three months, you know, they, they might have gotten people, they might not have gotten people. They want to get it over with, not... You know, in advance of the election, six, eight months. They don't want to go through all the summer and convention impeachment. That's so, okay. So, okay. So I want to pick up there with uh, the point that Michael Golden made, right? In addition to that, the argument that Nancy Pelosi is making today and more recently, which is if they don't call witnesses, then it's not a fair trial. And now the real crime is the Trump McConnell cover up. All right. We'll Whoa. pick it. We'll pick it up there. Dan Prop sitting in for Bruce Dumont on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Dan Proft sitting in for Bruce Dumont. I am of AM560 in Chicago and the Salem Network nationally. A pleasure to be uh, sitting in for Bruce. Been on this show many times. It's a great honor always to sit in for Bruce Dumont, who is a radio broadcasting legend. Uh, pleased to be joined by some other legends. Well, lesser legends, but still legends. <laughs> one, one legend. Michael Golden, uh, who is... Uh, author of Unlock Congress. He's a journalist and speaker. John Cash, Chicago Tribune, Tribune Editorial Board, and Charles Lipson, Professor Emeritus at University of Chicago. And we're talking about impeachment. And the question we left before the break was Nancy Pelosi's assertion on the Sunday talk shows today that what you have here is a cover-up. So it's, uh, it's a move from extortion and bribery to obstruction of Congress and abuse of power to now the real issue is cover-up. Let's cover up if Mitch McConnell doesn't go forward with a trial according to the demands of Chuck Schumer, then it's a cover up. That's what Nancy Pelosi is saying. Uh, so, Michael Michael Golden is is that correct? Are you, is that so? You got it. He framed it, it all the way he wanted. We got it all covered up. That there? is that is uh, a uh, just <laughs> fact based uh, recitation of what she said. I think that first of all, I would like to say that. If every Republican senator, and I'm probably a Republican in the House, but if, if every Republican senator were strapped to a polygraph and asked whether they think the President of the United States violated the Constitution in a way that's worthy of impeachment, they would all either say yes or fail the polygraph. 
So let's not. This is about. <laughs> yes. Begin? They, they all. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you know what that means. I don't they think all they know. I do, I oh, disagree sure they do. They I don't, all, no, no. Deep please. in their. It, I don't think a constitutionalist like Mike Lee, who says this impeachment is ridiculous, who has not been unwilling to criticize the president in this administration. Oh, I, I disagree. I, I don't think he would fail a polygraph. I don't think so. I think all these guys. Look, they're all politicians, left and right. Let's just. We, well, of we, we've been to, you and I have been course. debating this stuff but for 12 years. People can genuinely believe they that can. what you said is false. They can, but I don't think that they do. I, I just don't think that they do. I just think that this that they all rationalize except for the few who may allow witnesses because in those states their politics are a little suspect. A few people want the witnesses. But in the rest of the states, they're doing what they need to do. And by the way, I'm not saying if the, the sides were reversed, I'm not saying the Democrats would do differently. This is how it works. And unless you're, you're, you're asses on the line in the next election, you're going to lock in with your party. It, 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 it's a shame. Now, to, to your question about the cover-up, the reason I said that first before answering the cover-up question is, this is just chess. And Nancy Pelosi absolutely believes that it's smart for her to say it's a cover-up and that that is the best, I'm not saying it will, but that's the best strategy on a national program this morning, and we're talking about it now, to smoke out those four Republicans and actually have them continue to say, I think we should have witnesses. The whole point of not having witnesses or not letting uh, having executive privilege and preventing testimony is because they don't want more dramatic truth about what the president well, did. This there, is not that there, complex. There, there, uh, John Cass, there's some other reasons why you would yeah, assert like, executive privilege, which is because it's within your rights to assert executive privilege. The presidents have had that right. Correct. And, he, and here's the other thing and I want to get your reaction to, John Cass, which is, um, I, I'm sorry, which is it? This is a slam dunk case. We dead bang have him uh, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. But there but Mitch McConnell is covering up. What what is there to cover up? It's already been exposed. We've already QED this whole case. It's over, isn't it? Which is it? This is a ridiculous farce from the beginning. And uh, the mistake was made by Democrats when Schiff played overplayed his hand. And met with the, or his staff, met with the whistleblower, who I guess I can't say his name. Or it's like Frau Blucher. Yeah, Frau yeah. Blucher. Yeah. The horses, the horses will will begin to whinny. Um, but when the American people begin or understood that here came this staffer, a CIA guy, who was who met with Vindeman, who had the the story leaked to him, and then he's the one who carries the water to Schiff and the committee. The whole thing sounded like a Chicago takedown. It was just unseemly. Wait, 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 hold on a second. It was unseemly, and I think th- if I were rebutting everything that Michael, our dear friend, said, <laughs> it would be to start there. And I think that the American people know that. Charles Lipson, cover up. One reason that they had to rush it and so whether or not you call witnesses could be called a cover-up and of course the republicans will say well you should have called them in, in the house the reason that they had to rush it is that the most compelling case for trump is in the absence of something that really looks like a serious violation of law not even 
uh, telling a fib to a grand jury, which is a felony, and that was what uh, Clinton, in effect, said that he did. But something like a cover-up, which is what Nixon did. The reason they couldn't wait is because the most compelling case is to say, why not let the American people decide? And the longer they wait, the, the more compelling that argument is. You're overturning an election. That is a very big deal. And take my word, the, the 63 million people who voted for President Trump would take this as a very, very serious matter unless a lot of them were also convinced he cannot remain in office. He has violated something very fundamental. But here's the thing, Michael, too. It's not just this in isolation. You have to look at what Charles is saying in the context of Russian collusion, Russian collusion, Russian collusion. Okay, Okay, that didn't work. So now we're on to the next thing. And so it's the the Democrats perhaps suffering, particularly among independents, from a little bit of the boy who cried wolf syndrome. Okay, you know what? So it, it might be fair to say that that's the effect it's having. I don't uh, the, the the boy who cried wolf. However, I I never questioned that Nancy Pelosi did not want to impeach him for all that Russia stuff. She knew that it that even if she believed that there was a violation, she knew it didn't cross a threshold that was either serious enough or had and or had the potential to get enough Americans to change. You know, people of a short memory, or or I guess I'm old, Watergate. Repeat what was, you said. Watergate was I was six no, years old. No, you said short memories. I didn't catch it. <laughs> I'm sorry. In Watergate, the the if eventually when that piece of evidence came out of the tapes. That's when everything flipped. Now, you can make the argument, well, the Democrats should have done that in the House. They shouldn't get to have new witnesses. But the cover-up argument is, if your case is strong and these guys can come in and tell the truth and it won't change anybody's mind in America, the 68% that want to hear the witnesses, then, 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 then put your cards on the table. An insider in the White House came out and said, and this, of course, is what they hope uh, would happen with Bolton. with Bolton, an insider, John Dean, not even knowing that testifying against Nixon would get him a job forever at CNN. After jail. After prison. <laughs> testifying. After prison. That's silly. Come on. After prison. Wait, you know, that, there's even cable networks around You didn't mastermind <laughs> anything. But Dean said that he, he was the mastermind, and Nixon directly approved a classic obstruction of justice, no, uh, which is, but notice that we, we talked about obstruction of justice, talked about bribery, talked about extortion. None of those are actually Correct. in the impeachment articles. Well, but, let's talk, but the two that are. What about the two that obstruction are? Obstruction of Congress. So asserting your rights is obstruction of Congress, which is why they didn't pursue. That one is why ludicrous. Why uh, compelling testimony trying to pierce executive privilege because if you attempt to get a remedy, then you no longer have obstruction of just uh, obstruction of Congress as a charge. Yeah, That's obvious. Again, and the, it's a and chess the abuse game. of goes, power is. Dan, it goes back to the chess game. You're, I'm not saying that right. you guys uh, that the three. <laughs> I love the one on three. I love this. The, the, I'm not saying that you're not right. That it's a good so case it's, to say it's yeah, a good like argument. Chef Herring, isn't these it? These guys should have <laughs> done this in the House. They should have gone to the courts. But here's the, they rolled the dice the, and we're moving it to the Senate. But we'll here, see. here's the other thing, though. 
too. It's it's like it, it, and this is the the problem of the left and the media. And I repeat myself, which is, uh, it's fine for Nancy Pelosi to uh, exercise her leverage and play politics in the House. But when N- Mitch McConnell is going to do the same thing in an intrinsically political process, then it's oh my goodness, that's the the horror of politics being played in the Senate. And you don't now. You're a smart guy, and you know the Constitution almost as maybe as well as me, and maybe almost as well as as Charles. It's dangerous the, to hear. That. Yeah, you're you. you, you you will not concede that the processes as set out set forth in the Constitution of what the House does and what the Senate does in an impeachment process are different. They yes, are different. But, and, One and, is and, a and, trial. And, and in both cases, they are inherently political. Yes. And the founders understood that. And that's what I'm saying. So why would you say, Nancy Pelosi, you can exert your political leverage. Mitch McConnell, you can't. Nancy Pelosi, when she does this, it's legitimate. When Mitch McConnell does this, it's illegitimate. She's just trying to make it costly for him, just like the Republicans were trying to make it costly for Nancy. You didn't listen to my answer. Go ahead. You know know that the process, once the party in power in the House starts that process— they're going toward just a vote to impeach, not convict. That's why they made it much more serious in the Senate. And we've never convicted anybody and probably won't. You're saying it wasn't a serious process in the House. I didn't say that. I said it's a different process. It's a different process than a trial. It's much more serious in the Senate. But but politics plays a part in both. It does. Legitimately so. It does. Legitimately so. And by the way, that's why I'm saying that I think that he will get off – Scot free. I don't. I just. I. I. I think that the over. Let's put it this way. Maybe not a hundred. I'll. I'll edit it. The overwhelming majority of those senators, if they had to tell the truth with a gun to their head, and, and you knew if they were tr- telling the truth or not, they would say, "Yeah, would he that violence?" I don't the think that's the overwhelming. Right. That's like well, saying I, be, the, I believe that. That's I like believe that. the overwhelming number of, ho- of the House of Representatives would like nothing more than to have dinner with Adam Schiff. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> I, I, mean, I wouldn't, unless he would. Player privilege. Hold on. Hold, no, we we got We got to go to break. We got to go to break on this. We'll pick it up. We'll pick it up after the break. Don't get, don't get, don't get ornery. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll come right back to it. Because, because here's the other thing I want to ask. I want to ask everybody: Was it really about muddying up Trump, or is this whole deal a concession of Trump's reelection and a focus on trying to take back the Senate? We're going to pick that up with Michael Golden, John Cass, Charles Lipson, Dan Proft in for Bruce Dumont on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Sending troops. 
Welcome back on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. Dan Proft in for Bruce Dumont, and I'm joined by three gentlemen from my left to my right. Michael Golden, he's the author of Unlock Congress. He's a journalist and speaker. He's the president of Golden Mean Strategies. Uh, John Cass is a journalist and columnist and editorial board member of the Chicago Tribune. And Charles Lipson is a professor of political science emeritus at the University of Chicago, contributor to realclearpolitics.com, as well as Spectator USA. And we're talking about impeachment. Uh, again, Nancy Pelosi saying she will meet with her caucus on Tuesday to decide whether or not she's going to deliver the articles of impeachment to the Senate. And Mitch McConnell suggesting that he's uh, going to move this thing along, whether she delivers them or not, signing on to a resolution by his colleague, Josh Howley, Republican from Missouri, that would force Nancy Pelosi to either deliver the articles of impeachment within 25 days or open up the possibility that a Republican senator could move for a motion to dismiss with prejudice effectively a civilian or a, a political version of what is available in civilian courts. For uh, um, you know, more on this, and, and particularly that, because Nancy Pelosi said, Michael, Michael Golden, Nancy Pelosi said that uh, part of the cover-up was Mitch McConnell signing on to that Josh Hawley resolution that would allow for a motion to dismiss. What she left out was uh, provided that she doesn't transmit the articles of impeachment within 25 days. Is it reasonable for a consideration, since you've written a book about the Senate rules in part, is it reasonable for consideration to say, we're going to change the rules if you're not going to um, be forthright in delivering the articles of impeachment that you and your colleagues pass. Actually, so the, uh, I mean that's a that's a it's a judgment call, but I don't I wouldn't see a problem with doing that. She should get them over there, and if they do that, I'm not saying I'm for that resolution, but if they do that, then that's part of the chess game, and you have an opportunity to send them over, and you've waited three weeks. I don't think that's unreasonable. I would ask Charles and John one thing: that if I could ask all the Senate Republicans again on a lie detector test, I would ask them if. If everything that has been revealed that Donald Trump did in, 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 for what he was impeached for, if every one of those things is true, none of the facts are, are contested, without any additional testimony, and President Bill Clinton or President Barack Obama did the identical things, would you equally be in favor of exonerating them for, for being impeached and, con, impe and or convicted? Give it a beat before you answer. There are a lot of things that Barack Obama did that uh, I did This is a like. yes/no, though. On, oh, on that. I'm sorry. Do I have to yeah. follow your rules? <laughs> yes. Man? The question. Oh, yep. See, so, this is yeah. how. Yeah. His I'm sorry, John. Window is about this big. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's a yes/no. It's a. Go would ahead. you let those guys off the hook? Does they doing the same thing? I don't think that's a. Uh, I don't like the argument, and I don't. I reject it because this is about well, Trump. That's an answer, though. No, but this is about Trump. If about you want to law. talk about it's about the law, talk the Constitution. Clinton. Clinton should have been impeached, and uh, yeah. I wanted him to resign. But we're not talking about that. Well, you asked me, about, didn't you? No, I asked about this case, these facts. Would you want those guys let off the hook? I would want the the the, the same thing Trump applies did. here. For what Trump that did? That the impeachment is a political deal. His opponents don't like him. They want to damage him and muddy him up, and maybe use it to leverage the Senate elections. And this, at the same time, we're only less than 11 months away from a national election, and the people should decide it. Charles Lipson. Well, I wouldn't have wanted either of those presidents impeached. And that would be true in either the first term 
or the second term. And it's important to understand this is that one of the things that makes this different is this is the first term, which means that this is a president who's coming up for election. Had this happened sometime in the second term, you could it removes the argument, which I, I may, that the people can vote. I still wouldn't think Trump or the others. You're asking me how much of my views about this are ultimately because I – I'm a Republican Partisan. and not a yeah, Democrat. Like every Republican and in the Senate. It's, it's always hard to know. I'm an incredibly honest guy, and I'm not sure about you. You know, that's how we all feel. You know, about especially me or about everyone. He's, he's, well, about it, uh, uh, about easy, you in particular, Charles, yeah. Michael. And, Let's be clear here. But, uh, yeah, no, no. I really want to focus my attention on you and your and your manifest dishonesty. The, the, what? What? Is there I, an NFL game on right now? Yeah. But, no. What I want to say is that you like to feel like you would make the same decisions. It's always you'd like to. Right. You'd like to. It's always hard to know. It's also, is it, or is it a matter of law and the Constitution? Uh, Same I facts. Mean, seriously, you have a, a Michael. If I could intercede just for a minute, you have a Democrat caucus that between fifty and forty percent have moved articles of impeachment from everything for uh, criticizing NFL players for kneeling uh, during the anthem to. Uh, but I'm not defending those actions. I understand, but what I'm saying is that that the legitimacy of the moving party has been diminished greatly since Trump's election. Okay, so I mean, so all of these payons to the Constitution, which are very um, uh, infrequent and selective, including among Madam Speaker Pelosi, uh, it, it just the substance of it. To answer your question. Basically, the transcript, which is what we keep going back to, the transcript of the phone call and competing interpretation of the transcript. If it was Barack Obama and President Zelensky that uh, had that exact same conversation, even in Obama vernacular versus Trump vernacular, but essentially in intimating the same things, it is absolutely not a high crime or misdemeanor. You would, you would let him off the hook. Absolutely not a high crime. There's nothing to let him off. It's absolutely not a high crime or misdemeanor. The, po the nonsensical Pollyannish position... Uh, uh, very recently adopted by the left, that uh, foreign policy and geopolitical decisions by President of the United States aren't force-fed through a political prism is so ridiculous and embarrassing and untenable that you should be ashamed to advance it. I'm, I'm He's not ashamed. Devil's advocate. I'm just saying oh, well, I, the I, facts I, are, and in, in the, in the impeachment's on the table. It's going to go to the Senate. And I'm just saying that I think that I don't think well, the, they didn't say the same thing you did, Dan. You said I would absolutely not. Actually, Charles and you, Charles and you, you said you would let those guys off the hook. Same fact, you do not believe it's impeached, of worthy Why, of impeachment. Do you, do you really? I mean, okay. Do you think? Ask an answer. You've counselor. read the transcript or whatever we're going to call it. Sure. Do you think? That that's worthy of impeachment. Well, first of all, you guys, Dan just said we keep going back to the transcript, the transcript, the transcript. I think that uh, to say that the whole thing is about the transcript and none of the under testimony from all of those witnesses in the House is well, I, I don't even have an answer to for it. Let me ask a question. One of the but I hear what you're saying about politics. That see, that's a be that's a better argument that. 
politics, that's what Mulvaney was trying to say. He was trying to say, politics does come into play. Let's get real here. That's, that's right. what he was trying that's to right. say. And this is why it I've said, I've said well. from the beginning of this, the whole idea there was no quid pro quo, and that was sort of the, the litmus test or the threshold I found to be illegitimate. I mean, what, a, what is a quid pro quo? Quid a quid pro quo. quo is a compromise. What do political leaders do? What do politicians no, do? What the, is the public policy the issue, process? Dan, uh, what the poli issue, policy the issue was uh, not the whether end. there's a quid pro quo. The issue is whether uh, the exchange is for the personal right. political benefit of the president. That's right, Charles. So you can say, we don't want China to do X. Unless, I mean, we won't do X for China unless China does X for us. And the, and the problem that the Democrats uh, have in this is that although this clearly would benefit Trump personally, he had the plausible, though I don't think the the most uh, logical explanation was that he's always been against foreign aid. There was a lot of corruption there. He wanted it investigated. That's a legitimate thing for the country. So those are all plausible yes. explanations, and they have advanced them. And you can't knock them down easily. In fact, I haven't seen them knocked down. And that's one of the reasons why they will say that's why we have to call Hunter Biden because it all started with this very deep level of corruption in uh, America's Ukraine policy when Biden, Biden the father, was in charge of it and Biden the son was making money off uh, of it. Let me ask, uh, and this is a jump ball question. Uh, again, Trey Gowdy is one of those who's advanced the notion that this is really, I mean, look, everybody understands the balance of power. Everybody knows what the numbers are in the House and the Senate. They know this president is not going to be removed from office. This is about getting swing state senators in an election year in a difficult position so that Democrats can take back the Senate in case they can't take back the White House and at least block everything Trump wants to do in a second term, including a potential Supreme Court uh, or Supreme Supreme Court nominee or nominees plural. So it's this is about Cory Gardner and Susan Collins and Tom Tillis. It's not about President Trump. I have a uh, I have a uh, an answer for that. It may have that effect, but that's not why Nancy pushed it. Uh, the, uh, it's what's called a functional explanation that the function of your little toe is to make sure all the furniture in your house is in place. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's really uh, your your little toe does that, but that's not why it's there. And the fact is, Nancy was much more concerned about retaining her majority in the House, and she put a lot of that at risk. I don't think she cared that much about the Senate. It may turn out, it in fact will turn out, that she's put four senators mcsally is the other one sally from, right uh and arizona. uh from utah arizona uh, arizona uh but also the one from colorado who's Gardner. Yeah, Gardner. Gardner. Uh, those are all at risk four of them and and that but but the flip side is she may have put a lot of her house members in districts that trump won yeah. in in jeopardy she has 19 she put her people she at has. risk. so she didn't do it for uh, to put the senate yeah, in play but I it may agree. turn out that way we'll uh we'll come back on this edition be on the Bowway. Take a couple of your calls. Dan Prof sitting in for Bruce Dumont. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. 
Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Dan Proft sitting in for Bruce Dumont on this installment. My guest, Michael Golden, who's the author of Unlock Congress. John Cass, Chicago Tribune columnist and editorial board member. Charles Lipson, Real Clear Politics, Spectator USA contributor, former uh, emeritus professor of political science at the University of Chicago. Taking your calls at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. Email us at beyondthebeltway at gmail.com. And, of course, we're streaming on Facebook, YouTube, and beyondthebeltway.com. Uh, and uh, we're talking about impeachment. I wanted to uh, throw out one other offering on the op-ed pages of New York Times this weekend, and that was from Neil Katal, who's a former uh, uh, solicitor general under President Obama, and George Conway, who's married to Kellyanne Conway, lawyer in his own right, a very outspoken Trump antagonist. They suggest, here's what Nancy Pelosi should do transmit the obstruction of Congress article because there's nothing to add that hasn't already been entered into the public record uh, and hold the obstruction uh, and excuse me and hold the abuse of power article pending more information becoming available that could buttress that that charge. What do you think about that, Michael Golden? I without having seen I didn't read that so I haven't seen their full argument uh, on the face of it and those are Especially those are two smart guys, so they must have some argument. I don't, on the face of it, that doesn't sound like a very good idea. That looks like you're dragging it out. That looks like you're playing. It's more shenanigans. To you, got to go all in at this point. You, the, they passed him in the House. Now, you know, the Senate's going to do. They have the majority. That's just a fact. So the politics are going to play out. But to do it staggered like that, I don't. I think that makes the Democrat. That would make the Democrats look worse. Now, flip side, uh, Charles. Uh, what about the question as to whether or not McConnell and Senate Republicans should open this to witnesses? Should they just move, assuming they get the articles, move to allow the the two sides to present their case and go right to a vote and vote your shares, or the, should they open the, in the interest of the perception of fairness? Would be the argument of Democrats. Should they open us up to witnesses and then it's you know Katie bar the door? I think that what McConnell will do uh, is try to protect his majority. He'll look at those most vulnerable senators and he'll see whether he has to do something in order to protect their seats. I think he really, really, really doesn't want to do it. I think that his statement that he was coordinating completely with the White House was designed to protect his political position and in a way protect the president's because I think what the president would like to do is say, bring them all on. Hold me back, yeah, but, but, but really be held back exactly, from well, doing that, it. Does yes, that John really, Cass. The bring them all on thing sounds like Steve Bannon, but I don't think 
Trump right. is a deal maker. I mean, if we know anything about him, and take the win and go home. Right, he's going to vote it down, get it done, and let the people decide. I mean, especially when you have Iran and everything else going on. Let's take a couple of calls. John from Missouri listening to us on Sirius XM, POTUS Channel 124. John, thanks for joining us on Beyond the Beltway. Yeah, thank you. A great show, guys. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to mention, because someone brought it up at the beginning, about the boy who cried wolf. And as an independent, I sit here and I listen to all sides on different channels. Uh, since that's pretty much all you can do while you're driving a semi-truck across country. But, God bless you. Um, <laughs> the uh, thing I had was, is I see it from Democrats as, oh, we got them, we got them, we got them. I see as Republicans going, well, you know, look at it. You've been trying this for how long now with all these different things, and you've come up with this idea. As an independent I'll honestly say it doesn't really vote a whole lot of confidence in our congressional system when you have to sit there and watch both sides battle each other like this over, you know, the Democrats going after them after so many different ideas. But and then the Republicans always coming out saying this is a witch hunt. Thanks for the call. And yeah, it's, John, I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for the call. I, I, it's an interesting point. I mean, part of this goes to the argument that. There is incentive for both sides to move this along as quick as possible, knowing the outcome. And whoever does it first and focuses on issues that actually animate people's vote and actually interest them in terms of their quality of life is going to be the political winner in this. What do you say, John? I agree. I think that uh, people are done with this. I mean, we're, we love it in our business. It's clicks in the news business. It is fundraising in the political business and books in the book business, mm -hmm. right? Most Americans don't give two figs. Figs. Which is why Good people are words. not talking about it on the Democratic campaign they don't, trail. Right. Voters right. don't want to talk. Right. Voters don't, the base voters, they're already coming out. Well, they want to talk about in Iowa. They uh, don't. Mr. They want to talk about their lives. They, that's always been the case when it comes to. And you do not want to hear about the lives of people in Iowa. Believe me, <laughs> oh, there, that boy. Oh, oh boy. my goodness, oh, that boy. is. Now you've done uh, it. Oh, go All to right. sleep. Charles Lipson. That's the the person to direct <laughs> comments to Hawkeyes. Uh, let's go to uh, Ron Rodney from Norman, Oklahoma, listening to us on Sirius XM POTUS one twenty four. Rodney, how you doing, gentlemen? Good. Um, I want to piggyback on what the last caller said. Um, I, too, am an independent, and I, too, am sick of all the back and forth. But here's the Republicans' main problem. I, like most people, haven't decided that Donald Trump is unpresidential, and he did it. He did these things to help his political career, and all of the things that the Republicans can throw up are just full bull or i should say bs i got it rodney rodney thanks for the call two, hey two figs, man. rodney from norman oklahoma gets the last word from the university of oklahoma sooner schooner land uh, dan prof sitting in for bruce dumont on this edition of beyond the beltway we'll be back 
Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Dan Proft sitting in for Bruce Dumont on this edition of the great Beyond the Beltway program. Pleased to be joined by <coughs> Michael Golden, who's an author, Unlock Congress is his book. John Cass, who's a Chicago Tribune columnist and editorial board member. Charles Lipson, who's a RealClearPolitics.com contributor and former uh, poli-sci professor at the University of Chicago. We were talking about impeachment. I want to switch gears and talk about Iran. I don't know, maybe this will be another impeachable offense since this is still pending, which is, of course, the uh, strike that took out Iranian General Soleimani and then the fallout uh, at, for most of the rest of this week from that event, both politically as well as geopolitically, politically here in this country and geopolitically in Iran and the rest of the world. Uh, Charles, we started out this week to listen to Democrats and some non-interventionists like Rand Paul suggests that uh, World War III could be around the corner if we're not careful. And we ended the week with people like David Brooks saying, this sort of looks like another sort of a terrorist, uh, terrorist being taken out in the Middle East blip uh, that has sort of unfortunately been the normal course of events in the Middle East over the past half century. Um, so that's, uh, that's a pretty wide swing of opinion in a very short amount of time. Ain't nothing like winning. Uh in advance, I don't think we knew what the results would be because we didn't know if the Iranians were crazy enough to strike back because I was virtually certain that if they did, Trump would hit them back and hit them back hard. And what he would have done was taken out all their oil facilities, among other things, and remove their ability to earn hard currency. In advance, it's hard to know whether the coin you flip is going to come up heads or tails. But once it comes up heads, it's amazing to me to see the Democrats still calling tails. Uh, that is, I don't, uh, I can say that there is a legitimate issue, uh, I think, and it was raised by um, Senator Lee of Utah and Matt Gates of Florida in the House uh, about how far the president can go in committing troops on the ground and engaging in a large-scale war. I think that's a perfectly legitimate uh, point. But I think on the issue of whether it uh, – the Democrats couldn't even bring themselves, uh, many of them, uh, and many of the presidential candidates, to even call this guy a terrorist. I, I was struck by it. Yeah, John Cass, uh, Elizabeth Warren – to what Charles was saying. She Elizabeth Warren it, right? was all over the place. Uh, she had to have Meghan McCain help her to find out, to determine that uh, Soleimani was a terrorist. So what, what does Didn't that say? say he was what a terrorist and had to back down? Back because... down and then she restated it on the right. view of all places. But, the, uh, but, 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 but where, where are the Democrats now, again here, and the, the feeling that they need to cater to their base such that they can't celebrate the elimination of a terrorist that General Petraeus called... Well, actually, in the same category as al Baghdadi and bin Laden, actually say more important than those other two terrorists that we killed. As I recall, when it, Obama, Osama bin Laden was taken out during the Obama administration, that was a happy day for all Americans. Why isn't it a happy day when Soleimani's taken out? Because Trump did it. Very simply put, it's because Trump did it, and they can't bring themselves to even concede anything. And that's obvious to people. The, the Democrat, there's so many Democrats, so many Republicans in this country, this much independence, and they see all that. And they, they're also seeing in, in Iowa, you know, uh, um, Bernie Sanders pushing it on, pushing it to um, Joe Biden on the Iraq war. So there's a lot, the left, the left is the, 
growing despite what what Demo- many Democrats would like. The left is has the has the power. They're they're on the ascendancy. Michael Golden, in the Democratic Party. Michael Golden. Uh, uh, Trump is a warmonger when he takes out Soleimani, and he's a pansy when he removes troops from Syria. So which is it? Well, I don't – I, you might be surprised. I, the nicest thing you've, I think, ever said to me in 12 years is when you introduced me as center-left. I, I don't think there's enough people that can state an opinion independently that are would, where they would be categorized as left or right if you had to categorize them. I don't have a problem with Trump taking this guy out. I'm glad he's gone. Um, I think the president does have the power to do that. I th- you know, not, again, like Charles was saying, you know, the next piece of war, nah, not without Congress. Um, and that even George W. Bush knew that. Uh, but I, don't, I do, I, look, you can, you can be okay with what he did and also want more intelligence. You cited Mike Lee earlier in the conversation. I've never seen any Senate or House Republican in three years be as upset as Mike Lee was at that joke of a briefing. I was shell-shocked at how passionately disappointed he was with, with the, quote, intelligence, which was the same stuff they saw in the news. But My bigger, that, that, wait, hold that's on. That's actually not what he said. If you saw him on special report with Brett Baer, that the, the reporting on Mike Lee was taken wildly out of he context. I heard his interview. No, no, but, but, but what Mike Lee was most upset about, he wasn't upset with the president. He wasn't upset with the strike on Soleimani. Right. He was upset with the suggestion by Pompeo and Esper, whoever it was that suggested it, that if the president took further action, including those troop commitments, that it was beyond the pay, uh, it was beyond the authority of Congress to intercede and demand that they authorize such. So that that was the issue, which is which was it was all conflated, and I just want to distinguish those. Okay, well, both of those things may have happened, but he was also, and he wasn't the only Republican who was mighty disappointed yeah, in how Paul. long these people took and the information uh, that they gave that was qu- supposedly classified. But I'll tell you something. The, the problem with Donald Trump, he, there are think, I can say that there are good things that President Trump does. He is my president, as much as I can't stand him. I'm an American. He was duly elected, period. And I can point out there, there are things. The problem with Donald Trump is that he lies so much that it's very difficult uh, sometimes. You, no, you can't trust anything that he does, so you have to wait and just decide on the face of it. What I want to know what the imminent danger was, and a lot of Republicans do too. See, uh, uh, let me let Charles. me even comment in general on terms, Dan. I want even to in comment on two Charles, parts Charles, of what you said. The first part is on imminent, and the second part is on on the line. On the imminent, I think that the Republicans and the Democrats have gone down a rabbit hole on this. Frankly, I don't think it should matter if it was imminent, and I don't think. Uh, the parsing of whether it was days, weeks, uh, really matters that much. But once the administration decided to defend it on that basis, of course the Democrats are going <laughs> to leap on it and say you haven't given us enough information. I think that's a legitimate uh, point. But in my opinion, given what he had done, even if he were not uh, planning something uh, right away, but we knew that Iran is what Iran is, and that he, this guy is the master architect of their uh, Shiite arc that goes all the way from Iran through Iraq through Syria to South Lebanon. He's worth taking out, and and includes Yemen to surround. Now, let me take this uh, the point about lying. Uh, it seems to me that if you look at Nixon, if you look at Clinton, if you look at a lot of presidents, 
uh, they lie. There's they lie no a lot. No equivalency. Well, let me let me go on. And I think that uh, Jimmy Carter was probably the most truthful and utterly incompetent president. Now, the point about Trump is that on the big issues, he seems to be believable by the people that count. And the hard but problem... That, that count, meaning that, his people, his people, not the rest of America. He can lie to them, but just his people. Well, all right, all right, we're, we're going to have to... Let's pick it up there. Let's pick it up there on whether Trump is the most honest president, uh, president of our lifetime or not. How about that question? Oh, Dan Prop sitting in for Bruce <laughs> on, on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Dan Proft sitting in for Bruce Dumont on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. Uh, you can join the conversation with us. We're talking about uh, Iranian policy and President Trump's foreign policy writ large, really. The number 1-800-723-8289, 1-800-723-8289. Email us at beyondthebeltway at gmail.com. And I want to pick up on this conversation, uh, this back and forth Michael Golden and Charles Lipson were having about Trump and his honesty. Rusty Reno wrote a couple of months ago. He's the editor of First Things, which is a conservative Catholic uh, outlet. And he, and he, no Trump, no reflexive Trump supporter by any stretch of the imagination. But he said, by this standard, Trump is the most honest president of his lifetime. And the standard is this. Is the guy in office doing what he said he would do as a candidate? Is he, is he accomplishing it? Or is he acting in furtherance of exactly those things that he said he would do if he were elected? And by that standard, Trump is the most honest president of his lifetime. What do you say to that, John Cash? I agree. Compared to Bush, who campaigned as a man who would not uh, nation build, remember? The, George Bush, the, the last Bush. He wasn't going to be a nation builder. He was going to build the country. That was a disaster. This it, fellow, when he... Trump, he wants he tapped in immigration. He's against it. He's doing something about it or wants to. Illegal immigration. Americans legal immigration too. Illegal. Just Google it. Illegal immigration is the issue. Um, Suleimani, for example, a bad guy's out there. We'll get him. He he acts, and I think Charles understands that acting, acting on these things quickly. Is what the American people in this America now today most of all, and, and, and with Iran, going back to Iran, 
<clears throat> what did he do? He drew a red line that says, you don't kill Americans. And that was what drew, drew a response when the business in the Strait of Hormuz didn't, when burning Saudi oil fields didn't, when, take it, when taking out one of our drones didn't. But you kill an American contractor, you injure American soldiers, then we're going to uh, tell you what the line is, and he held that line. But he also understood that if he had, if that thing had gone out of control, and I don't, I see the Republicans saying, oh, this is wonderful, it worked really well. But you know what? War doesn't happen that way. Iranian, I mean, Ukrainian jetliners get shot down. Somebody gets shot. A a ship ship gets blown up in the the Persian Gulf. Something happens when you start shooting. And he understood that if he had had not de-escalated, he would have lost his base. Soleimani's, uh, taking out Trump Soleimani was de-escalatory. Base. You know, uh, taking... I would argue. I, I, that's why I... What John is saying is the reason that I thought all the wag-the-dog arguments that came out immediately from a number of Democrats, including some I respect a lot, and serious people, thought, oh, he's doing this to win politically. No, oh, contraire. This was a high-risk thing that Huge. actually put his election at risk for the, just the reasons that, that uh, John yeah. stated. It's worth, it, it's worth making two larger points about what Trump is doing in Iran. The first thing is that he has fundamentally reversed Obama's policy. Obama's policy was if we make concessions and reach agreements with Iran, including returning money that was theirs but had not been released, they would begin to act like a normal state and we could integrate them into the system. And we now know that didn't work. He also decided uh, to back away from Saudi Arabia and to some extent Israel and uh, to seek a more kind of neutral posture toward uh, the Gulf region, and that didn't work out very well either. What Trump has done is reverse those in a very basic way without committing uh, ground troops. But this leaves one big issue, and it's an issue that's in Tehran and in Qum. They have to decide whether they will ultimately give in to all this economic pressure and military confrontation or not. If they decide not to, we're in for a big conflict. Uh, and they may—they have not made that decision. Charles, maybe perhaps it's, it's that if they decide not to give in, what they're going to see is that they're going to lose their regime on, from the inside. There were 1,500 people killed in Iran in November and December. That's they why were, they might give in. They were beaten if to they death. fear that 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 they can't control through sheer coercion uh, the a protest against them internally. And you see now, the protests yes. are back. But right? the, uh, what I'm telling you is that we're not out of this mess. No, we're not. No, I agree. We're never out of it. I mean, nobody. This is not a mission accomplished. But 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 there is, as you said, Charles. There was a message sent. That when I when I principled realism, put whatever moniker on it you want. That this is, when I said it, the Iran nuclear deal was the worst deal ever made. I meant it. This is not our policy. This is not our posture. And when you cross this line of killing or injuring Americans, then I'm going to defend that position. And we find out something that we should know after 40 years of dealing with this regime. It's what Ayatollah Khomeini said 40 years ago. 
Islam is nothing if not political. Those who think they can separate the religion from politics are fools. So these are political actors, the mullahs in Tehran. They are not suicide bombers. And the left treats them as, they are su as suicide bombers. It seems like a real estate developer in New York and perhaps the Secretary of State figured out, no, these are rational political actors, But Michael. the people in the... Michael. Look, part of the problem, honestly, in conversations like this and shows like this and in debates like this that are short, complexity gets lost. And that's, that really frustrates me. And that's also something that frustrates me about Donald Trump. Again, there are some things that he does that I agree with. He, his bombast and his looking at everything in black and white terms and then announcing that he was successful at it, I'm glad that guy's gone. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. You know why? Because there are consequences. Yes, it was de-escalated. Not because of Donald Trump. Because they're rational actors. I agree with you. They did, they're not going to want a hot war. And I told a friend of mine in the intelligence community who said, this is terrible. And I said, don't worry about it. I, it's highly unlikely you're going to get in a hot war and there's going to be this huge response. Hold on. But you know what? It, it, to my point about complexity, that intelligence, uh, a former intelligence agent said to me, wrote a long email to me and he said, it's not about an immediate strike. There's all kinds of things, technologically, there's all kinds of things, and Iran will, it'll be a bigger response when they want to. And by the way, that's how the world works. So the question is, yes. wasn't, oh, it, the question yes. is, isn't, wasn't, oh, isn't he strong? Because he killed that guy and he said he was going to stand up for Iran. in the end zone, no. though. Wait he did weeks, not Wait dance. a few months, see what it, comes of this, yes. and then judge. And that's yes, fine. That's and that's, wait, wait a few months. This has been going on for half a century. So we're, and it, we're and talking and about the strike and, and, last week. Well, well, I'm talking about Iran as a state sponsor oh, of but terror. But they're talking about and, Trump's strike and, and, last and, week. And, 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 and excuse me, there, there's something that is lost. And talking about nuance and complexity, there's something lost when it's that sort of tit-for-tat conversation where you're reciting those points of the left, uh, which, what's, is, what's which, is, the which left? is this, which is this. How about getting first principles right? Because if you get first principles right, then you start to make good decisions based on those foundational principles. And you know what a first principle he is, he, he got right? Appeasement is provocative. Appeasement is, is provocative. Isn't Iran, aren't they like and nine I, to ten months from getting a nuclear weapon? Why does it take a real estate developer from New York to understand what the foreign policy establishment in D.C. doesn't seem to understand? Appeasement what is, is his provocative. Strategy? What's his coherent strategy on Iran? Are they closer, now that they're on that, not in a joint deal anymore, I, from what I understand, they're nine, ten, twelve months away from getting a nuclear weapon and they can't be monitored. Is that not accurate? From everything so, I've so, seen. So that, that, that nuclear deal under Obama, which was a glide path to nuclearization, which expires How before— How do you know it's a glide path I'm arguing it is. Oh. You're talking about it can't be examined. You're talking about they can't be checked. And my point is to say— You said it never could My be. point is to say this, is, this expires by year's end anyway. And so what, what did Trump leave open in his national address? He said, look— uh, this is the line, and this is our position, and you're not going to get nuclear weapons, and here's my message to the Iranian people. We're willing to deal. He extended an olive branch because he said, I'll make a deal with Iran that includes no nuclear weapons and perhaps relaxing of sanctions, but, uh, but these are the parameters or the, the framing of the deal. So it wasn't an unwillingness to deal with Iran. He wants a better deal. And what's wrong with that? Missiles and what's wrong with that? And they will get nuclear weapons, and so will Korea. You can't stop self-preservation of nations. We've stopped it I mean, so far. 
let's, so far, the operative word so far. Let's take some calls. We've got uh, Donnie from Knoxville. Donnie, you're on. Uh, Donnie, who's listening on, to us on WOKI in Knoxville, Tennessee. Rice Cities. Donnie, you're on uh, Beyond the Beltway. Sitting here listening again. I hear this guy. What's his coherent strategy? What's his coherent strategy? Well, let me hear his coherent strategy. I'm not, I'm I'll not tell concerned. you what. Donald Trump is the most straightforward, and what pisses people off about you guys is because he's talking to me, and you guys don't control the conversation. That's what pisses the left off. All right, thanks they for the call, Donnie. Appreciate it. Donnie, I'm not of the left. No, that's not true. What? He's talking that's to not Michael. True. Talking <laughs> about me, Michael yes. Golden. And yes. by the way, I have lived in Fresno, California, and in small, Fresno. Town, Nobody small goes to Fresno towns in anymore. Missouri, in the Quad Cities. I have been a reporter in places like Knoxville and talked to all different kinds of people in my life and work with them, and I do not discount any of the people that voted for Donald Trump. Some people on the left do. I respect everybody's vote. People are, again, people are complex. You can't just say someone is a moron because they voted for this person. Right. Everybody has different right. motivations. However, I do not. I think guess you don't Donald, work for CNN. I do then. not think that Donald Trump has coherent strategies on most things. I would say that very few presidents have coherent strategies. And if we're talking internationally, I would say that we haven't had a coherent strategy since the end of the Cold War. And the closest we came was George W. Bush, and George W. Bush's strategy failed. That's Charles Lipson. We'll pick up our conversation about Iranian policy and its impact potentially on the 2020 election on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. Dan Proft in for Bruce Dumont. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's E-Verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Dan Proft in for Bruce Dumont on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. Thank you for joining us, having a lively discussion about Iranian policy and the fallout from the strike that took out General Soleimani, the uh, resolution that was advanced by Nancy Pelosi in the House, the resolution that's uh, in draft form but with Tim Kaine and Mike Lee in the Senate, uh, and everything that transpired this week. Uh, I wanted to, to, to pick up on something, though. Uh, Charles Lipson, former poli-sci professor at the University of Chicago, these student protests at universities in Tehran uh, after Iran took responsibility, reluctantly, finally, for mistakenly, they say, shooting down that Ukrainian airliner that killed 176 people, a plurality of whom were Iranians. And the chance from these students, the chance in the streets, uh, the U.S. isn't the enemy, the, 
the, the mullahs are the enemy, and how fragile you think the regime is in Iran at this, at this moment? I think the regime depends almost entirely upon the Revolutionary Guard and uh, what's going to happen if the Revolutionary Guard, how much force will the Revolutionary Guard use against demonstrators? And the a short answer is they have no, no moral compunctions against killing as many as they need. They did. Yeah, the question, they've already ago. done it. The question, so it's not like Hong Kong where there's an issue where it'll all be on TV and China needs Hong Kong in order to funnel capital from the rest of the world into China. Uh, I suspect that the issue is going to be the, the, the thing that's really bothered the Mullers the most about these protests is that they have spread, not in the last week, but over the last several months, to areas that were traditionally conservative and traditionally supportive of the Mullahs. That's a problem for them. If they start trying to kill those people, then they move to a Stalinist regime, which they have not been, and they have to exert complete control over everybody everywhere. That's going to be harder and harder to do. Let's take a couple of calls. Again, number 1-800-723-8289. Ben in El Paso, Texas, listening to us on KROD. Ben, you're on Beyond the Beltway. Yeah, um, okay. Two points I'd like to make. I do not want my president giving my hard-earned money to a corrupt government, and I want my president to investigate corruption in a known corrupt state before giving my money to him. See, also, I thought if my president knew about a window to take out the number one terrorist in the world and he passed on this opportunity and the next month the terrorist killed even one of my soldiers, I would be very upset and my president at my president and my government. Thanks for the call, Ben. Appreciate it. Agreed. I mean, John, Cass. obviously, if he had not, if if what if if they had not killed Suleimani. And Soleimani had attacked an embassy, which he was planning to do, whether imminently or not, or Americans died. How, how long would it take for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and others to impeach President Trump for not acting? Well, agree. And, agree. And, it, and, it's, you know, and it's important to know, too, it's not like uh, necessarily President Obama or President George W. Bush would have been opposed to it either. The, the point that General Petraeus Obama made— wasn't. Obama wasn't. He did was. it. Well, 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 no, but the, po the point General Petraeus said about Soleimani specifically oh. is that he was, in recent years, more public, more reckless, you know, arrogance go before the, before the fall, right. uh, you know, taking selfies. He uh, was on also the vulnerable for a different reason, Dan. Okay. But when, when we were fighting ISIS, Iran was a major ally in that fight. Yes. As soon as ISIS territorial... Uh, expansion had been completely rolled back, which is not to say ISIS is gone, but once they've been rolled back, uh, that tactical cooperation, which was being led by Soleimani, we just didn't need him anymore, so we could do something. But I would just say that when Susan Rice, who was a national security advisor under Obama, said we just didn't have the opportunity, we never saw this guy or something, that was... That was just deceitful. I mean, he parked his plane next to American generals at various airports in Syria. He was the architect 
of this mass killing in Syria. We knew where this well, guy and was. The other, the other thing that this whole episode speaks to is just sort of the uh, ineffectual nature of the U.N. because, of course, he was under U.N. sanctions to not travel outside of the corporate boundaries of Iran. And where do we find him? In Iraq and, as you said, ultimately, meandering about the Middle East. You talked ultimately, someone, John. one of you, about what's the long-term, Trump's long-term strategy. I think you can see it in his relationship with Erdogan. And I think that uh, American politics being what it is, we focus only on what could hurt Trump or help Trump. And Erdogan's going to be moving his way. And Iran is there. I mean, his, no, his way meaning, his way his way meaning Erdogan's way. Erdogan's way to satisfy Erdogan's um, ambition, <laughs> right? And all that's not even being discussed because for the Democrats, it's not in the they they're, they're not you know conscious of it. They can't think of it. They, it's but, not part of the anti-Trump. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, let's take uh, Chuck from Vandalia, Illinois. Chuck, you're on Beyond the Beltway. Hey, yeah. Um, I wanted to address the lying aspect about Trump being a big liar. And I, I listened to that, and I just laughed because we go back to the YouTube video causing the Benghazi thing, and you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And if you go back to Obama's, um, you know, there's a bunch of speeches from him prior to his first election, and everything he said was a big lie during that election year. So... I don't think Trump's the biggest liar out there. Thanks for the call. I think that this makes a very important point, and this is the difference. Might explode, yeah. This is the. Right, hold let, on, hold I'm on. I'm going to let. On. I heard inside of Michael <laughs> Golden's mouth something that went. <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. But Sorry. I, it seems to me that what people uh, like our caller are emphasizing is that the big promises that Donald Trump made to the electorate to get elected, they feel like he's not only trying to keep the promises, he's largely keeping them. And they give him, uh, they allow the hyperbole, exaggeration, and so forth. I think that a lot of people who voted for Barack Obama thinking uh, that on the big issues, health care and so forth, that they could uh, trust what he said, felt ultimately that they'd been betrayed, whether they were feeling that accurately or not. Isn't isn't Obama a bit of a negative composite for a lot of swing voters? I like him personally, but I disagree with his policy choices, and Trump is I don't like him personally, but I like him on a a lot of his policy choices. Actually, that's that's an interesting flip uh, uh, point, that perspective. But, But I have to say, and I'm not... Charles, you're, you're you're right, and what the caller said is right to to a small extent, or to thank a, you, excuse thank me, you, that was condescending to a certain extent. Yes, he does he he does say things, and and especially the things that are controversial, he does follow through on a number of them. That's that is to his credit. If you are if you are a Trump voter, the rest the people like me when we say. The lying will make your, our heads explode. We're talking about more than 15,000 documented, either you can call it lies or false or misleading. Oh, and it, come on. I, come I'm on, 52 man. years old. I was sort of, you know, grew up no. to try to tell the truth. You and say. certainly not this, lie you're, once you're, in you're, a while. You say you're 52 what, years what, old. What, what bothers me is, the, it's insane, the, is the assertion that, like, the left is the truthful 
uh, broker here. Remember, when we're talking about Iran, it was um, Ben Rhodes who bragged to the New York Times after, the after they got the Iran deal through that would nuclearize this country. He said, we, we manipulated the press. We got... 27-year-old know-nothings. All administrations do that. Know-nothings in the press. And they still eat it up for a Still not the same as the president lying hourly to the world. But but point of order. Point of order. Not every administration does that because every administration does have willing 27-year-olds who want to be part of the echo chamber the way that President Obama did. Take another call. Let's go to Leonard in Elk Grove, California, listening to us on KTKZ AM 1380. Leonard, you're on Beyond the Beltway. This is not Leonard. Oh. This is Yelena. Oh, okay. Sorry. She's filling in too. Yeah, it, you sound. It, you have it, too high a voice to be a Leonard, but okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, actually, actually, my husband, his name is Leonard. But um, oh. the reason I, I call, <laughs> I listen always to AM radio, and um, I'm uh, I like Hannity. I like Dr. Gorka. I been I came to the United States over 30 years ago when I was 19 years old. And I married American citizen, not because I needed a visa, because I came as a, a refugee, Jewish a refugee. I came from, I was, um, so, and um, you know what? I became citizen last year. Because, because Good for of, you. Um, Good for you. Because, yeah. Because, no, but you know what? I, it was by choice. Because all my family citizen, my kids, my oldest son graduated from UCLA. My youngest son goes to Brescia Christian. But I never want to be, I mean, I want to be a citizen, but I, when Clinton was a president, I couldn't relate it. When Obama, I didn't care for him at all. But when, um, when uh, Trump was running, I wanted to vote. I wanted to vote because I, I came from communist country. Okay. I left Russia when it wasn't, it was, it was total communism, socialism. And when I listened to Democratic Party, they remind me of Russia where I came from. And God forbid if all some of them gonna win, like um, Bernie, or um, I don't want to even repeat the name. All right, Yulaine, so, thanks, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate it. Appreciate your story. Uh, yeah, Michael, what about that? What about uh, Democrat Party promising uh, reasonably priced Soviet puppet shows and uh, and lovely chandeliers? Do you want to load more into that? Well, I, is that a question? I figured I, I figured I'd pile on. Or is that yeah, a question or I figured, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. We're going to let you uh, respond to that. Give you no, time to okay. time to take really, in. Okay. We'll let you respond to that after the break. Dan Prof sitting in for Bruce Dumont on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy the right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. 
Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Dan Proft sitting in for Bruce Dumont. You can catch my act during the week on AM560 in Chicago, 560theanswer.com, or nationally, danproftshow.com, part of the Salem Network. Pleasure to be sitting in for Bruce, who I understand is listening to us, watching us uh, in Mexico, oh where he's uh, you know enjoying a much-deserved... Happy New Year, Bruce. Respite, yeah, so it's good. Uh, we were talking about, uh, well, we're sort of segueing, thanks to a caller, into 2020. Uh, and uh, this woman from California emigrated to this country from Ukraine. And the last thing she wants is for us to elect Comrade Bernie Sanders. Uh, where are you, Michael, as a card-carrying Democrat? Where are you in that primary I'm race? I'm stuck with the center, center left. Okay, uh, card-carrying center the left. The party system is all screwed So you're going to be voting in the Democrat primary? Uh, I'll, I will, well, I, yes, okay. yes. All right, yes. So I will vote for someone to try to beat and eliminate this president. Okay, that so, is for sure. So where are you at? Uh, th- you know, there's a few people that I'd be all right with. I think that the people, I, I, I think I told you before, Amy Klobuchar, I think she's a really impressive person. It's going to be hard for her to win the nomination, but like we were talking about in the break a little bit, if you look back at history going all the way back to Carter, uh, almost all those presidents outside of George W. Bush, people thought they were long shots and in some cases jokes before they came, became nominees, presidents, and sometimes two-termers, Reagan, Clinton, maybe even Trump. What do you, what do Trump you, was a 1% joke, and now he is the most popular president I've ever seen among Republicans. What do you think about Bloomberg? What do you think about – I mean, because he's trying to run his center left. I, I – I think what he's doing is an interesting experiment. I think he screwed himself by doing it too late. And I don't think that he's going to take this experiment too far if it, if it looks like he can't do it. I think he will take that $100 million and put it into ads hammering Donald Trump. Well, uh, even let, before the nomination, let, even let, before the convention. Let's rewind for a second and go back to the front runner de jure, Donna Brazil. No less than Donna Brazil. Quoting declared, Donna Brazil, wow. D- declared Bernie Sanders the front runner today. In Iowa, oh, front runner generally for the nomination, and actually, uh, I don't, I don't agree Hampshire with that. Too, well, sure. no, yeah, actually, actually, the betting the betting sites have him at like a you know forty percent. He's 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 the odds-on favorite right now. It's but it's very narrow. It speaks to the heart of the but, party. But but so but what about what about what about the prospect of Bernie Sanders? Jim Messina, uh, Obama's campaign manager, said, and uh, you know Obama land, Michael, and everybody else knows Obama land doesn't want anything to do with Bernie. They think he's a dead bang loser. What do you think? I think I think that I think that all the other t- all the other top five candidates, whatever you want to call, it, down to six five percent, including Bloomberg, throw him in as six or whatever. I think all those other candidates besides Bernie Sanders uh, have a great shot at becoming the next president if they're nominated. I think that Bernie Sanders, even as popular as he is and as passionate as his supporters are, I think that if he's nominated, that will be the diciest. That will be the, the, the riskiest chance for Democrats to win the president. Change the names. It sounds like we're talking uh, Bush, uh, Marco Rubio. All of them have a great chance of becoming the next president if, we, if this was 2015. Look, Bernie Sanders speaks to the heart of his party. His party. But I'm talking about the winning the general, party John. Cho- chooses this. The Republicans collapsed with the Bush years. Trump came up. Now it's time for Bernie Sanders. The left is doing what the Trumpian right or whatever did two well, years they, ago. And they tried so, four wait, years so, ago so to wait do a that. Second. They so, tried to do that, and he almost beat so, so, John, are you saying Bernie Sanders is their strongest candidate or weakest? Right, that's I what I'm getting the, at. I, th- I think Bernie Sanders is the most Democrat candidate. But we're talking about 
to win the presidency. I'm, you want a well, handicap? You can't win the presidency yeah. if you don't win the primary. So who's, yeah. who's, the strong, who's the strongest candidate right now in the primary and who's the best matchup right. from a Democrat perspective against Trump? Right. I think, I think yeah. respond to this, Charles. I think Joe Biden, I've said this from the beginning, I still think that Joe Biden is the weakest candidate that Democrats of could course. nominate. I think he is the candidate that most plays to Trump's benefit because he doesn't bring the base. Yes, and he opens up the whole swamp argument that Trump would love to run against. On That's the true. other hand, I think that the problem that a lot of the Democrats have, and this may be part of the appeal to you of Amy Klobuchar and so forth, is that if they can't win some of these states in the upper right. Midwest, That's these right. industrial states, it's hard to see how they four win states. the presidency. Elections, four states. And, and i got to say that if they nominate Bernie, I think that they could lose both houses because it's just so hard to have such a weak candidate at the top of the list and and uh, carry uh, so much of the Congress. Yeah, to, Dan's, to Dan's point, so uh, that, that's a great point, and that's why. And I also like Amy Klobuchar actually, but I for, she has political advantages too. The, there's two lines of thought that the, the the swing voters in those states in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan, you know, they may still hold, uh, and that may be enough to win for Trump, especially someone like Sanders is nominated. And then the other school of thought, and I believe this is true. I think I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Is that the people that won the races for Democrats in Virginia, Kentucky, Louisiana, governor in Michigan, governor in Pennsylvania, governor of Wisconsin since Donald Trump was elected, those same people will be lined up in the rain for hours to vote because they, like me, cannot stand this man. Well, that'll depend but, on— But still, yeah. Yeah, Bernie, that's what Bernie Sanders will make it riskier. Yeah, that but, might but, not be enough. But, my, Michael, obviously, uh, obviously whoever the nominee is, they're not going to win Kentucky. So just let's just, let's just set that aside. The you qu- get my point the, yeah, but I do. crushed but, in elections but, but so let me let me ask the question do you think that the democrat a democrat win in 2020 runs through the old blue wall states in the midwest or do democrats have to forego those and focus on states like north carolina and arizona in order to win so that's a great that's another great question because arizona look kirsten cinema became a u.s senator first in 24 years and we're talking about a democrat who's openly bisexual like arizona has changed so much but i'm not sure that's that's still dicey as a swing state i still think pennsylvania michigan wisconsin florida's pretty much a trump state i think but but those three states are huge Michael Golden gets the last word. He was outgunned and outmanned, so I think that's only fair. Michael Smarted uh, as well. <laughs> yes. Michael Golden, <laughs> author of Unlock Congress, journalist and speaker. John Cass, uh, one of our other panelists, journalist, columnist, editorial board member, Chicago Tribune, and Charles Lipson, RealClearPolitics.com, Spectator USA contributor, and uh, Professor Emeritus of Poli Sci University of Chicago. Dan Prof in for Bruce Dumont tonight. You can catch me again. Uh, in the morning, starting at 5 a.m. Chicago time tomorrow, if you want, on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Beyond the Beltway. Thanks to Bruce and his entire team. Beyondthebeltway.com. Watch it every week. about how much someone drinks do you feel angry or depressed most of the time do you feel neglected or unloved do you feel that if the drinker loved you she or he would stop drinking 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light noise and the ad council chris domine is a husband and a father chris is an athlete chris is even an iron man but 10 years ago chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing basically the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis you, you are going to die fortunately chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 